Barry Allen was a crime scene investigator by day and a costume superhero by night. And by day, actually. Now that I think about it, he almost never <laughs> goes to do his job. What's that about, Scott? I don't know. He might have got laid off. Hey everybody, welcome to this Turkified episode of Super Sci-Fi Party, the only podcast where we talk exclusively about fun science fiction movies, TV shows, and more. No post-apocalyptic downer sci-fi allowed. My name is Todd K, and with me always is my broiled, grilled, roasted, baked, sautéed, poached, smoked, deep-fried co-host and brother, Scott K. How are you doing on this Turkey Day Eve, Scott? Mm, doing good and kind of hungry for some mashed potatoes now. Are you excited about consuming mass quantities tomorrow? Definitely. Ditto. It's going to be a little different doing our family gathering through an iPad, but it does have an advantages. If you have a relative you don't care to hear from, just click mute and then nod and smile. <laughs> nod and smile. Nod and smile. That's, that's good. That gets you through meetings, too. For those who are not from the United States... Tomorrow is Thanksgiving, which is a national holiday where we give thanks for the things worth being thankful for. Like large quantities of food. And then we consume large quantities of food. And some of you are thinking, how is that different from any other day? Uh, We get the day off from work if you have a job. (laughs) Today we're talking about a fun Thanksgiving episode of CW's The Flash. The episode is titled, Oh Come All Ye Thankful, Season 5, Episode 7. The Flash is the latest television incarnation of the DC comic character, The Flash, who first appeared in Flash Comics number 1 in 1940. The CW Network started airing The Flash in 2014. CW's The Flash is an American television show about Barry Allen, who is a crime scene investigator by day and a costume superhero by night. And by day, actually. Now that I think about it, he almost never goes to do his job. What's that about, Scott? I don't know. He might have got laid off. Oh, actually, seems like that did come up here or there in the show, but I forget what the rationale became. I fired briefly, and I don't know. We watch those shows for the superhero stuff, not not for the other action. I'll say if we actually saw him doing his regular job, we'd be like, come on, where's the superheroes? Exactly. Anyhow, the Flash is the fastest man alive after being empowered with superhuman speed during a particle accelerator explosion at Star Labs. S-T-A-R, which is an acronym. Pop quiz, Scott, for you and for all the Flash fans out there, what does the acronym S-T-A-R stand for in Star Labs? Star. No, uh, see, I know the end is research, but that's all I got. Uh, that's more words than I got. Before I looked it up, it's scientific and technological advanced research. Sure sounds impressive, but since the only thing they do is act as the pit crew to the Flash, <laughs> how the heck do they make money? <laughs> I mean, it must take a fortune to run that operation, yet they appear to have zero sources of income. That is true. It is a giant scientific laboratory. It's huge. It's on like the 
the scale of like IBM or something. It seems to have four employees and no products. And all the employees basically act as backup to the Flash. And they have money to build whatever they need. Though. They can do all kinds of crazy experiments. They have a giant facility that looks like something out of Star Wars and yet no money coming in. So we have developed a list called Top 10 Ways Star Labs Could Make Money. Number 10, sell a line of Killer Frost Frozen Margarita Mix. Nice. Number 9, create a Cisco Ramon hair care products for men infomercial. (laughs) Number 8, have the Flash Moonlight as an Uber Eats delivery person. Imagine the tips for instant delivery. I wish the Flash delivered to this address right now. Number 7, Hold a win a date with Caitlin Revel. Number six, charge supervillains held in their prison $1 per visit for the use of a porta potty. <laughs> Number five, rent out their labs to adolescent YouTubers who want to do crazy science experiment videos. Number four, sell top secret U.S. satellite access to the Russians so they can attack us in a nuclear first strike scenario and melt us all into piles of capitalist goo. Oh, that got dark. Dark indeed. Number three, throw a high tech hero rave. (laughs) Number two, create a biological cybernetic skin darkening machine so they can sell customers the fastest tan alive. (laughs) And number one, by actually conducting advanced technological research and developing useful products to improve the life of all mankind. Nah, they'd never do that. So there we go. Top 10 ways Star Labs could make money. If you want to see that top 10 list for yourself, you can look it up on our website at com. I really like that win a date with Caitlin idea. I am sky high for Caitlin. <laughs> then again, every major character in every episode looked like they were cast straight out of a modeling agency. True. I'm surprised they don't have sexy grod yet. <laughs> nice callback. Give them a few more seasons. The Thanksgiving episode we're talking about today is called Oh Come All Ye Thankful, which originally aired on the WB Network on November 27th, 2018. Scott, what was competing with The Flash on November 27th, 2018? All right. On ABC, we had The Connors and then The Kids Are All Right. On CBS was Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Fox had The Gifted. I'm trying to remember. I think that might be an X-Men spinoff. And NBC had The Voice. Now, can you imagine having to choose between The Voice and The Flash? (laughs) No choice there. No, it would be The Flash every time. (laughs) I mean, nothing's wrong with The Voice, per se. And I do appreciate the fact that the singers are judged originally on their talent rather than their looks, but... Let's get real. The last thing the world needs is another singing talent show. <laughs> no, I think the, the latest trend is what to not even have contestants be able to win, just celebrities singing. Now. Oh, the masked, yeah. the masked singer. Yeah, I never did understand the reality shows where they just go all celebrities and then there is no actual chance to win anything. <laughs> it's just, well, the celebrities are still rich. They make the craziest guesses on that show. Oh, yeah. If you haven't seen the show, it's a bunch of people come out in a big costume so you can't see who they are. And then they supposedly sing a song, but 
if you know anything about sound, you know that they're not singing that song live because <laughs> they have a, you know, they're just wearing a 25 pound bird head costume right <laughs> over their face. And then they're holding the microphone up like it, the voice is just coming through some little hole or something. It's not. I mean, could you imagine the chamber that it would create <laughs> exactly. if you were doing that? No, 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 no. I'm going to sing now. Yeah. It's clearly pre-recorded, hopefully pre-recorded live, but who knows? They might have touched them up. They probably added auto-tune, whatever. And then the big thing is guess who it is. And I love how their guesses are so crazy high on the celebrity scale compared to the type of show it is. <laughs> it was like, oh, it's Rihanna. Oh, it's Lady Gaga. And you're like, okay, neither one of those people would ever be on that show. I think I heard them guess Elvis once. Yeah, exactly. Someone that's been dead for decades. Well, they showed us this pan over the dressing room and there was a ghost in the background. It's Elvis. And then it always ends up being like Danny Bonaducci's son or something. <laughs> You're like, oh, what? <laughs> Who the, what? Danny Bonaducci's son. Exactly. Anyhow, this episode of The Flash was written by Jonathan Butler and Gabriel Garza. It was directed by Sarah Boyd. And this episode stars Grant Gustin as Barry Allen, a.k.a. The Flash, Candace Patton as Iris West Allen, Danielle Panabaker as Dr. Caitlin Snow slash Killer Frost, Carlos Valdez as Cisco Ramon, Jessica Parker Kennedy as Nora West Allen, a.k.a. XS, Chris Klein as Orland Dwyer, and Tom Cavanaugh as Sherlock Wells. Sherlock <laughs> Not Sherlock, Sherlock. Sherlock. Well, they actually had it spelled online. It's S H E R L O Q U E. Oh, like okay, sure. Now, something you have to understand about the Flash on the WB is that the plot lines tend to get complicated, like crazy complicated, like scientist superhero time traveling through a complex multiverse of near infinite alternate realities. Complicated. I have one major criticism of The Flash. It's the crazy, complicated, time-traveling storylines. My tastes are simple. I like the villain of the week format. I don't need a complicated, season-long villain that ties into series-long time-travel paradoxes. I'm happy with, oh look, a new villain with cool new superpowers that we have to fight. What about you, Scott? No, I would agree with that assessment, uh... The, the first few seasons of The Flash, they stuck far more to that m model. And then somewhere around season three, they suddenly changed to the model of, all right, we're going to introduce the season-long villain. This villain is going to get the best of the heroes for every episode until the very last one, the finale of the season. Thankfully, they throw a few breaks in here and there. They'll have an episode yeah. where some other outside villain comes to fight. But yeah, they pretty much... In the early days, The Flash was a, was the best superhero show on TV, in my opinion. Because um, they had kind of villain of the week, and they threw in some humor. Oh, and yeah. so if you toss in some humor, that's all I need. Villain of the week, toss in some humor. And at its best, The Flash delivers exactly that. In this episode, we get a mixture of the two styles of storytelling. There is an A story about the villain of the week, and a B story about the tragic origins of the season-long villain with a bit of time travel angst tossed in for flavor. <laughs> mm, angsty flavor. And the B story shown all in flashback. Yay, flashback. 
since Super Sci-Fi Party is a podcast about fun sci-fi, we're going to concentrate almost entirely on the A storyline. There's a villain of the week and a Thanksgiving party. Doesn't get better than that. We're going to skip most of the backstory of the season-long villain, which is told through a series of tragic flashbacks. I guess because this show actually started... Uh, They had The Flash appear as a character in two episodes of CW's Arrow, and he was only supposed to be that, but he proved to be so popular that they actually created a pilot and then a series and so on and so on. And Arrow, as you might know if you've watched that show, exists, what, 70% in flashback or at least 50%? Yeah, yeah, they watched way too much of the show Lost. Ah, see, I've never watched Lost, so that's what they were imitating. Yeah, it kind of pioneered the, well, here's a little bit of the current story, and then 90% of the episode is going to exist in flashbacks. I just really don't care for flashbacks that much. I don't, I want to see the action as it's happening. Like I said, we're going to skip most of the backstory of the season-long villain, but I'm going to make an exception right at the top. Oh, and that alert indicates one of my top three fun moments of the episode and how sweet it is. Well, I want to be kind here, but it's difficult. The season-long villain is called Cicada, and he's played by Chris Klein, who is best known for playing Oz, who is the nice guy in American Pie. I really liked him as Oz, and I've liked him in other roles I've seen him play, But I have to be honest, Chris Klein's acting in this episode and the whole season is so crazy over the top that William Shatner himself would laugh out loud at his overacting. (laughs) It's one of those so bad, it's good situations. He even does an over-the-top villain voice that would embarrass a Hanna-Barbera villain. (laughs) I'm assuming some director early in the season pushed him to go as over-the-top as he possibly could. Uh, All I can say is it will definitely bring a smile to your face when you see it. That's one of my top three moments, fun moments of the week. It's just Chris Pine, Chris Klein. Yeah, I almost said Chris Pine. That's a whole other sci-fi thing. Chris Klein's extreme overacting as Cicada on the flesh. It's almost as if he's trying to channel Batman as he's talking. I'm Cicada. <laughs> But he's heals even worse than that. I mean, he's oh like, yes, oh yes. I will kill you all. <laughs> <laughs> bad acting is a favorite moment. I like it. Well, like I said, it's so bad it's good. It made me smile and laugh. So I was like, this is fun. <laughs> Anyways, the story begins. Thanksgiving preparations are beginning at the West Allen home when suddenly an alarm goes off at Star Labs indicating a dangerous power surge at a plant downtown. Oh, but that alert indicates one of my top three fun moments of the episode. Uh, The second, as it were. Boy, I'm getting these out of the way right at the top of the show. As Barry, Iris, and Nora start prepping Thanksgiving, Iris is talking to her daughter Nora, who is back from the future for the season, because that kind of thing happens (laughs) on The Flash. Iris tells Nora, you know, the West Allens have never missed a Thanksgiving. No gorilla army, no evil speedster, no giant wormhole in the sky could ever break that streak. And I just love that quote. <laughs> it's awesome. I think it's fun. You never think about superheroes gathering for a party and then listing off all the crazy things that have happened to them. Just did a giant list. 
I kind of wish our Thanksgivings had been like that. <laughs> Gorilla armies and evil, evil speedsters, giant wormholes, depending on where the wormhole goes. As long as we have these superpowers to combat them. Sure. Anyway, it highlights some of the fun of The Flash, and that's why it's one of my top moments of the episode. So the group begins gathering at the West Allen home for Thanksgiving. When alarm goes off at Star Labs, indicating a dangerous power surge at a power plant downtown. Barry and Nora speed downtown to discover that the plant is being assaulted by a lightning storm. Of course, it turns out there's an experimental cold fusion core at this particular power plant. And if it is hit by lightning, it could explode, taking out the whole block. Okay, so I get that this event will turn out to be supervillain powered, but why in the heck would the city build an unstable experimental cold fusion core that could be hit by a lightning bolt? <laughs> well, you know, I mean, they're, they're just a city. They don't have like a, a super secret research lab nearby that could have helped out. <laughs> like storms don't happen. This could, let's just put it here where it could be easily hit by lightning <laughs> and take out a city block. I mean, this is the same city that had a massive particle accelerator explosion a few years prior. You think they'd learn. <laughs> Anyhow, super speedster Nora, known as XS, evacuates the workers while the Flash races against lightning to grab the fusion core. As you might expect, the Flash grabs the core just in the nick of time, but he also takes the lightning hit, causing his heart to stop. XS freaks out and repeatedly uses her own lightning burst to restart her father's heart. Since Nora is Barry and Iris' daughter from the future, in a timeline where Barry's missing, she is only used to reading about Flash's heroic deeds rather than facing the reality that her father often risks his own life to fight evil. Realizing that her father is vulnerable, she becomes very upset. I could see that if you had to start restart your father's own heart with your lightning powers. Yeah, it wasn't that traumatic. <laughs> oh, oh, that's right. I forgot last summer at the barbecue. Yep. Had to build up a lot of static electricity and <laughs> put on my sweatpants. <laughs> Get that inner thigh friction going. <laughs> the team analyzes the lightning storm and determines that it likely comes from supernatural origins. Most likely from their old enemy weather wizard, but he is still in super prison. So they plan to go check on him. During a break in the action, the scientific side of Team Flash decide they've each had a bad year, and thus they will not attend the Flash family's Thanksgiving celebration. Oh, and that alarm indicates that this is one of Scott's top fun moments of the episode. Take it away, Scott. Yep, it was at a spot where we come back from the B storyline, and Cisco and Sherlock Wells are having a conversation about Thanksgiving, and it comes in with Wells saying, I don't understand. Explain again to me what the difference is between this day and every other day in America. And Cisco replies, it's a holiday when we all get together and celebrate and eat a ton of food, like gross amounts. Wells interjects, again, what's the difference between this day and every other day in America? And then you hear Cisco say, well, that, that's legit. <laughs> Every day. <laughs> I just found that very funny. I'm like, yes, that is Americana. The Flash, Nora, and Iris go to the super prison to check on Weather Wizard and discover that he is indeed still in his cell. 
Suddenly, a large hole is blown in the roof by a cyclone, and a young woman in a supervillain costume lands near them. The woman uses her staff to blast the guards with the air, knocking them down, also knocking down the Flash and excess. The woman announces that she has arrived to free her father, who is Weather Wizard. The Flash immediately super speeds into Weather Wizard's cell and whisks him away to the other super prison inside Star Labs. This angers the woman, who tells Flash and Excess that they have one hour to release her father, or she will wreck the city. The Flash returns to Star Labs and questions Weather Wizard, but he claims he barely knows his daughter. He was a teen father and a deadbeat dad. He claims to have no knowledge of the prison break. Meanwhile, the rest of Team Flash briefly debate the merits of Thanksgiving and then turn their attention to researching Weather Wizard's daughter, who they name Weather Witch. <laughs> it appears she replicated her father's powers via a technological staff she carries. The team decides the only thing to do is turn over Weather Wizard to his daughter to save the city. The Flash and Excess meet Weather Witch downtown and hand her father over. Once Weather Wizard is free... He prepares to unleash his weather powers upon the Flash, but he's interrupted by his daughter, who uses lightning from her staff to shock the Flash and Excess, who both fall to the ground. Then, out of nowhere, Weather Witch suddenly causes a large Hummer SUV to fall out of the air, crushing her father. Oh, and that alarm means we're on another of Scott's top three fun moments of the episode. Yep, I just like the drop a truck on him. I mean, it's kind of in the true spirit of a family gathering. You know, we have the reunion of a father and daughter between Weather Wizard and Weather Witch. Weather Wizard Witch, sorry, then uses her powers to zap the heroes out of the way. And as he stated, drops a Hummer on her father. And then she gets out her like one liners there. And it's like, uh, oh, don't feel bad. He was a selfish beep who... Abandoned his family. Anyways, thanks for helping me drop a truck on my dad. Yeah, this is really The Flash at its best. The only reason I didn't choose this as one of my top three is because I knew you would. and I didn't want us to overlap. But it's really great because you're expecting her to come to free her father and then all of a sudden she squashes him with a giant SUV. <laughs> for those who don't know, a Hummer is a giant square looking SUV. And fortunately, you don't see a lot of uh, blood and guts or anything. He's just gone. She just smashes him, <laughs> smashes him flat and basically says he was a jerk dad. And that's all she wanted to do. She didn't really want to want him to get away from prison. She just wanted to have a revenge. As the SUV falls to its side after crushing Weather Wizard, it is revealed that Team Flash has been using a hologram projector to fake the presence of Weather Wizard who is still safely imprisoned at Star Labs, Weather Witch is enraged by the deception and flies off to attack the city. You know, it's a little odd that she flies off to attack the city and then the gang goes back to Star Labs for a bit and there's, <laughs> there's kind of like a pause. <laughs> kind of seemed like she was going straight there to, to attack, but... Uh, well, you know, they got to check in, make sure the turkey's cooking right, hasn't started burning. Work, work the B storyline, do some, do some laundry, <laughs> whatever. Yeah, I got... Anyway, what, the turkey. Weather Witch decides to attack the city airport with her staff. Team Flash determines that the best way to fight weather is with weather, so they have excess retrieve Weather Wizard's wand from their archives and they give it to the Flash. Weather Witch starts to create a lightning tornado to destroy the airport. Excess protects the crowd of civilians 
And the Flash runs at super speed in a circular pattern reverse to the tornado while holding Weather Wizard's wand to absorb the lightning. Weather Witch shoots a bolt of lightning at the Flash, who counters with his own lightning, and of course, the Flash wins the battle and arrests Weather Witch. Yay. Yeah, this is kind of an observation on the Flash. Before the, the battle, you know, as he just got the Weather Wizard's wand, he kind of looks at the rest of the team and goes, oh, what am I supposed to do with this? And in my mind, I'm thinking, duh, you're going to do what you always do, run in a circle around the bad guy really fast, and then somehow that will defeat them. That does seem to be the solution to all problems on the Flash. He runs in circles. Also, thinking back to when the Weather Wizard had just been freed, supposedly, and he, well, I guess it was that, that was actually Iris acting as the Weather Wizard in a hologram generator. <laughs> but he was acting like he was going to do something with his hands, and apparently he needs a wand, so I don't know. Yeah, that is a little weird. Maybe I missed something. Anyway, with the battle over, attention returns to Thanksgiving. Cisco, Caitlin, and Sherlock are drinking shots and having an anti-Thanksgiving pity party at Star Labs. <laughs> when Caitlin's alter ego, Killer Frost, makes an appearance to convince them to attend Thanksgiving with the Flash. With the villain vanquished and the pity party stopped, the real Thanksgiving at Iris and Barry's place begins. Well, that sound effect indicates it's the last of my top fun moments of the episode. I call this one of my top fun moments just because the scene is a stereotypical perfect Thanksgiving scene. All the food looks like it was prepared by professional chefs. Everything is bathed in super flattering amber light. We Are Family is playing on the stereo. I like it because it's just one of those all is right with the world moments and it makes me remember good times. That is my final top fun moment of the episode. And we're going to call that the end of The Flash, O Come All Ye Faithful, since we're skipping the depressing B storyline. What did you think of this episode or even The Flash overall, Scott? I mean, th this episode was kind of a return to their roots and interjecting fun into it. And I really appreciated that. It was it was good, even with the depressing B storyline looming over it. It was... It still managed to be fun to me anyways. And the phenomenal overacting of Chris Klein. <laughs> well, there is a phenomenon that you and I have both noticed with the DC television shows that we've christened the no actor left behind policy. <laughs> oh, yes. Most of these shows are shot in Vancouver, Canada, and I don't know if there's a lack of TV actors in that area or what, but it seems like these shows will do whatever it takes to reuse the same actors over and over. Even if their character dies, the shows will invent elaborate explanations to justify the same actors playing different characters or the same characters that come back in inexplicable ways. We're talking magic, clones, alternate reality versions of the character, robot copies, whatever it takes so they can keep reusing the same actors. I still don't know if I find it hilarious or annoying, uh, sometimes yes, sometimes no. Yeah, exactly. I think it's their way of getting around the uh, Game of Thrones, anybody could die at any episode thing, when they really don't want anyone to die. Yeah, I think the main problem is when no actor ever really leaves a show, it means no villain is ever really defeated. It kind of lends a hopelessness to the show. Like They have to bring back X actor, Y actor, Z actress all the time. 
and you know they're never go actually truly going anywhere, so it kind of lowers the stakes. And I don't understand because there is anything but a lack of actors who would want to be on one of these shows. Ooh. So why they have to stick to the same 20 actors and just rotate them round and round and round, I don't really understand. I mean, it's true, once in a while someone will leave the show for good, but it's rare, and you notice it. But all the other times, it's like, oh, you look exactly like my friend. You must be her zombie clone. Oh, you look exactly like that girl I used to date. Oh, I guess you're an alien replicated hologram version of her. <laughs> Any explanation they can find. They're like, this will explain why we have the same actors. Ha <laughs> ha. I'm like, just get some new actors. Yep. And failing that, which rarely happens, they're usually very successful. Then they just dump them onto the, a different show on the CW. Exactly. They're like, oh, no, no, that actor's long gone. Uh, just to the set right next door where they film another CW <laughs> superhero show. I mean, that's exactly what you were saying. They'll just alternate dimension. You know, they're just like, all right, shift them over. Welcome to Earth 25.3. Now your name is Philo instead of Philo. Okay, great. <laughs> as far as my overall thoughts on The Flash, I will say this. At its best, The Flash is one of the coolest and most fun of all the DC superhero TV shows, maybe second only to the revamped Legends of Tomorrow. It doesn't suffer from the darkness of Arrow or the heavy-handed political messages of Supergirl. Uh, when The Flash gets to relax and do an episode that concentrates on a pithy new villain of the week, the show is great. The problem is that The Flash spends a lot of episodes on overly complicated time travel, multi-universe muckety-buck, and repetitive season-long villains. It loses itself in its own complicated drama when it doesn't need any of that. Team Flash has engaging, hip, humorous characters, and if the writers would get out of their way and stop trying to do Shakespeare, the show would truly be great and truly fun all the time instead of just sporadically. Well, that about wraps it up for this high-speed stuffing and gravy episode of Super Sci-Fi Party. We will return in two weeks when we'll bring you our first of two sci-fi Christmas-themed episodes for 2020. Believe me, you don't want to miss it. For Super Sci-Fi Party, I'm Todd Kay. I'm Scott Kay. And in the immortal words of Doc Brown, the future is what you make it, so make it a good one. Happy Turkey Day, everyone. It stopped.